Welcome to Wednesdays with Wade. John Wade, that is, St. Louis University Archivist Emeritus and proud SLU graduate. Tune in each Wednesday for a different topic representing SLU's legends and lore, historical tidbits from SLU's 200 years of mission that pay tribute to our community's commitment to a higher purpose and greater good. Brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. Welcome back. It is Wednesday and we are here with John Wade and he is going to talk today about the first Jesuits who made their way to St. Louis and specifically St. Louis University. So good to see you and be with you. Good to see you, sister. Okay, well, the, uh, it was in May, actually it would have been uh, yesterday, in, back in 1823, the, uh, the Jesuits, there was 18 people, 18 travelers landed, or not landed, actually they walked but anyway, they ended up on the St. Louis Riverfront, and these 18 people included two priests, uh, the Jesuit superior, uh, Father Charles Felix Van Quickenborn, uh, his assistant, or the socius, I guess they would have called him, Father Joseph, uh, Peter Joseph Timmermans, uh, who was another Jesuit, Belgian Jesuit priest, uh, seven novices, seminarians, three Belgian Jesuit brothers, and six enslaved African people. And they had just finished this two-month trip from their novitiate in White Marsh, Maryland, to Missouri. And they had uh, been invited to Missouri by the Catholic Bishop of Louisiana and the Florida's Bishop Louis William Valentine de Berg, which is called Bishop de Berg. Uh, and de Berg, although the center of his diocese was, was nominally, formally in New Orleans, he was really making St. Louis the center of his, um, of his diocese. And he had, his purpose in having them come here to Missouri really was to work as missionaries uh, with Native Americans, with the Indians. The government was paying, was paying a small stipend to anyone who would be willing to teach English to Indians. And so de Berg had, had asked the Jesuits to come here to set up a school to teach Indians, teach Native Americans. And he was giving them, or he had given them, he gave them property, uh, farm property out in Forreston, out in you know, more recent times, as in Stanislaus the Bishop, out in Forreston off of Howdershell Road. And so when they came in 1823, that's where they built a, uh, a seminary building for themselves, but they also built, set up this Indian school, which they called it St. Regis uh, Indian School out in, in Forreston. And so they began teaching the, the Indian. Earlier uh, than when the Jesuits had, had come in 23, a delegation of Indian chiefs had come to St. Louis to see Deberg, and they said to see the chief of the Black Robes, uh, in fact, William Clark of Lewis and Clark fame had suggested to the Osage that they come to see De Berg. Uh, and, and so uh, uh, they had invited De Berg to come see their villages, but what they were really looking for was a black robe to come stay with them. To kind of back up a little bit, De Berg had started a little college, academy, high school really, on the riverfront in St. Louis in 1818, which he called the St. Louis Academy. 
in October the 23rd, 1818, there was an announcement in the Missouri Gazette, which was the, the newspaper here, and the headline read simply education. Uh, in, in both English and French, the text read this, and I'll, I'll read this from my, my notes here. The Reverend Mr. Niel, who was not a Jesuit, he was a, a regular clergy, assisted by three other clergymen under the auspices and superintendence of the right Reverend Bishop, but he's talking about de Berg here, will open on the 16th November next, this is in 1818, in the house of Mrs. Alvarez, Church Street, an academy for young gentlemen, $12 per quarter <laughs> payable in advance. So they, get that, they got that in there. And the, the parents were asked to provide some books and stationery for their students. And each pupil, and this is a quote again here, was to have a bag to bring in and carry out his books for the eventual loss of which the masters do not hold themselves answerable. Uh, Some things never be, change. Yeah, <laughs> nothing changes, yeah. And none will be received before, before he can read at least tolerably well. So, uh, so de Berg had this little college going in, in 1818. They had, and they had a 40 students showed up in November, uh, and it really wasn't much more than a junior high school or a high school by today's standards, but uh, that was the school. And uh, the Jesuits, and you know, Jesuits had started their Indian school out in Florissant, but de Berg almost immediately, in his mind when he invited these guys to come in 1823, he had it in the back of his mind, well, maybe they could take over, maybe the Jesuits could take over this little college that he had operated down on, on the riverfront. And so, unfortunately, de Berg left St. Louis uh, shortly after the Jesuits came. His coadjutor bishop, uh, Joseph Rosati, took over in, in his administration of the, of the diocese. So he, Rosati, starts asking these Jesuits, well, you know, would you be interested in, in taking over the school? And, and the Jesuits, deflected the Rosati's requests because they weren't necessarily all that all that interested in it. But in the meantime, in this 23, 24, in this period there, 24, 25, 26, 27, the number of students was uneven at, at the Berg's College. De Berg even had come, come back into St. Louis at one time in 1826. Uh, and he was thinking that they should just close the school down altogether. They couldn't get the Jesuits to take over. Well, some, you know, some people will claim that St. Louis U shouldn't really claim 1818 as the beginning date because the Jesuits weren't there in 1818. Well, I'm not sure. I think you could, you could claim that date, but the interesting issue is, is, well, was there continuous education from 1818 till the Jesuits opened their campus downtown in St. Louis in 1829? But it does seem from the evidence that I've seen is that when the school was struggling at downtown, some of the parents of the young boys at the St. Louis Academy, St. Louis College, well, they knew that these Jesuits were here. They started saying, well, if this de Berg school, and de Berg was gone at this time, if it was going to possibly cease, 
maybe you men, Jesuits, could take over the education of their young men. So some of these young American boys down that were down at the Berg, the academy down, down the riverfront, went out to Florissa and took classes with the Jesuits out there in 1827 and 28. So they were being taught out there. And then the Jesuits did open their campus downtown in 1829. They built a single building there on 9th Street uh, near Washington Avenue, a little bit west of the, uh, the America Center, or the Convention Center. That's how they, they came. Verhagen, Peter Verhagen was one of the young Jesuits who came, was among the 12 who came in 1823. He was named the first Jesuit president. That's how they came. So uh, Smith, I should say mention the Father Smith, who would become known as the most famous of the Jesuit missionaries to the Native Americans, although several of these other uh, original Jesuits were also missionaries to the Native Americans. Desmet was the best known of them. He was on the faculty. That I should mention here that although these 12 that were, uh, they came in 1823 are the founding Jesuits of, of the university. I mean, Father Marquette, a Jesuit from uh, French Jesuit, voted right past St. Louis. And in, in the Marquette's account of his trip with Joliet, he mentions, you know, coming past what would be later on be, you know, become St. Louis. Marquette came 150 years before uh, Van Quickenborn and, and, uh, and Timmermans and, and Verhagen and the others came. A few years after that, Father Marais came. So there were, there was a Jesuit presence, I guess you could say here, since 1673, you know, that's, 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 that's amazing. It is, it is an interesting story. And, you know, in the, the early history of the school, I mean, you, most of the early students were all boys. Only men were educated uh, at the time. And most of them were the sons of the wealthier people here in, in, in St. Louis. But almost from the beginning, they taught languages, they taught theology, philosophy. So it was a, a much classical education for these guys. Now, you know, people need to understand that they didn't have, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior. They had various names for their classes, very different than what we think of. And that really would have changed from almost, well, 75, 80 years until the early part of the 20th century when St. Louis, you know, University took on a more, a more American model of education. But um, the Jesuits in the very beginning, and Verhagen deserves a lot of credit for this. Uh, for example, Verhagen was able to secure from the state of Missouri in, in 1832 for a state charter for the university. And at that, and if you, you check, uh, you know, St. Louis University was chartered as a, as, a, as a university in 1832 by the state of Missouri, which was pretty, pretty significant, making it really the oldest chartered university west, west of the Mississippi. Uh, but also DeBerg, you know, DeBerg, I guess you could say he was the typical American entrepreneur. I mean, he had all these ideas, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. So in the back of his mind, I know he had that, well, if I get these guys to come. Georgetown is the oldest Jesuit school, was founded in 1789, and DeBerg himself had been president of Georgetown. He was not technically a Jesuit anymore. When the presidency of, of Georgetown opened up in 1796, John Carroll offered the position to DeBerg. So DeBerg was president. 
so de Burg was was always into into these trying to do di different different things and so he uh, I'm sure he had it in the back of his mind that he would you should mention too kind of another interesting tidbit about de Burg's school is I mentioned uh, William Clark of Lewis and Clark fame had, and had told the Osage to you know hey come down here and see this guy Sacagawea who was with Lewis and Clark Lewis and Clark on their trip up the uh, uh, Missouri River in 1803, 1804, and, and later, Sacagawea and Charbonneau's son, uh, Jean-Baptiste Charbonneau, was a student at the board's school. Oh my goodness. So if you look in the American state papers, which are some of the earliest government documents, you'll see in the Bureau, in the, uh, in the Indian Affairs section there, that payment by William Clark uh, for Sacagawea's son, Jean-Baptiste Char Charbonneau. And if you look on the back, there's a, here's a trivia question for you, sister. Who is the only St. Louis University student who was on a American currency? Look on the back of the, I think it's the dollar coin. It's not all that popular anymore, but there's a picture of Sacagawea on her back. There, you can see the little head, the head of little Jean-Baptiste Pomp, was how he was known. Uh, Jean-Baptiste Charbonneau. So yeah, they came. They came to come to, to be missionaries, and they ended up taking this college. So, what I like to tease the, the Georgetown people about is, well, you know, if Georgetown was founded in seventeen, it was just was. It was founded in seventeen eighty nine, but the Jesuits were technically suppressed then. So the priests who founded it then were not really Jesuits because there were no Jesuits. Uh, at the right. Time. Maybe St. Louis U really was the first Jesuit school. That's not, that's not true. <laughs> certainly, we, were, we were, were definitely the second Jesuit college in the United States. And quite seriously, I think the education of young students did continue from the Berg School, 1818, through when the Jesuits took over in 1829. So it's, the Jesuits were teaching out at, at Florissant as early as 1827-28 and 28-29 and they, they opened their building downtown in 1829. So uh, I've always kind of been curious as to um, where the name came from, St. Louis University. So this part of the history makes a lot more sense because there's no Jesuit connection to the name of the university. It's not Loyola. It's not... Yeah, it was named after this, the city. Yeah, so you're right. You know, like, like you'll see, uh, you know, Loyola and Xavier... Uh, well, well, very interesting. It's always good to go back to your roots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Wonderful. Thanks, sister. Thanks so much, John. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. So thank you so much for joining us once again, and we'll see you right back here next Wednesday with John Wade.